Hello and welcome to the Glacier Valley Church of God. Today's podcast was recorded live on Sunday before a full church. If there's anything we can do to bless you, to pray for you, please contact us at 907-789-3605. Glacier Valley Church of God, a place of hope, a place of healing. understand what I'm talking about, there was this great recollection on the impact of this woman's life on her family, and they began to talk about, and I know this sounds depressing, but just bear with me, I'm going to get to the good part. They began to talk about the positive things in her life, and what should have been a time of sorrow and sadness they were laughing their head off at things that they remembered that happened in the past. Have you ever been to a funeral like that where people were laughing and, and, and just enjoying the memories? Right? And, and I'm not taking away from the sadness of losing somebody. Please don't. I'm not being disrespectful. But they were more focused. And it got to the point we were laughing so hard they had to hand out tissue. And, and I thought, this is, in, in, in my moment, I, this is crazy because this should be sad, right? And, uh, but it was happy, it was joyful because they remember the impact of this woman. She was only 52 years old. Uh, actually, she just turned 53. And, and she died. It's just a very painful death. But all they could talk about were the good memories, the, the things that happened, the things that they enjoyed. And I began to, to think to myself, what what will someone say when when I decide to leave this earth? Will it be happy memories? Will it be joyful memories? Will people get up and tell dad jokes the whole time? By the way, you guys know I don't I don't trust stairs, right? You know I don't trust stairs. They're always up to something. But I don't like elevators either because they always let me down. Sometimes they pick me up. Most time, okay, those are my dad jokes for the day. But I thought, is that, is that my legacy? Or, or, and, and bear with me. I'm going to get there, okay? I'm, I'm just kind of laying some groundwork here. But what are people going to say about me and, and how I impacted their life? Are they going to see me as someone who is more concerned about my kingdom and things that I were trying to build up, or how maybe I was more concerned about their spiritual life, and and where they are spiritually, or are they going to think, well, maybe I was just trying to use them and and trying to get them to do something for me all the time? You ever been around somebody like that? Is is the only reason they wanted you in their life is they were trying to get you to do something for them? There was a phone call I got the other day that I just let it go to voicemail. It's no nobody in here. It's just somebody I know up in Anchorage because I knew they were going to ask me something, not to ask how I was doing. They just wanted something from me, right? And you know people like that. And I keep thinking, well, maybe am I like that? Am I concerned over people's lives? Do they know that when I call them, I'm not necessarily want something, but I care about them? And then I began to think about the people in this church. How do people feel about you? How do people, when they look at you coming down the street, do they go the other way? 
<laughs> or when they see you coming down the street, do they embrace you and say, man, that person really cares about me. That, that person is mindful of me. That person worries about my spirituality and whether or not I'm going to heaven, right? They worry about, I, am I serving Jesus? Am I reading my Bible? Am I praying? Am I doing the things that are necessary to walk a good Christian walk? And I begin to think about that, and I look at the legacy of the church, and I will argue that the church has not had a good legacy over the past 30 to 40 years, have we? Now, I don't necessarily mean this church. I'm just talking about the church in general. It's more about what can you do for us rather than what can we do for you. It's not about uh, developing people's spirituality. It's about numbers and filling the seats and, and, and uh, really not delving into people's hearts and saying we really care about you. Now, the one thing you'll know about me is I don't care about numbers. I, I don't. I don't care how many people. If we have 10 people here that really love God and want to serve God and make a difference in the world, that's all we need, right? Jesus had 12 people, and one was a traitor, and he still turned the world upside down, right? And so I think we're okay with small numbers. I'm not worried about trying to be some bigger church, a mega church, right? But... In order for us to be a church, how are we impacting the lives of people around us? How are, we, how are we touching the people around us? What do they think about us? Do they think that we serve Jesus in name only? You ever met somebody like that? They, they claim to serve Jesus, but you're out with them in the world, and they act like anything but that? They kind of act like the devil in the workplace telling dirty jokes and and saying things that are not appropriate, and they act, or maybe they post things on Facebook that are questionable. Come on now. Some of you forget that I'm your friend on Facebook, I think, sometimes. <laughs> I want to type on there, do you really post that? But I don't. <laughs> I want to type, I am praying for you. <laughs> God bless your heart. <laughs> You know, and, and I don't mean that to be judgmental, but come on, if we can't we can't proclaim Christ one minute and, and then the world come out of our heart, right? We we can't do that. That's not the way that it works, right? I'm I'm getting a little preachy, am I? <laughs> we we can't we can't say we follow Jesus and then make fun of a people or the culture or or women. We can't put down women. Come on now. We can't be putting down women or making them feel bad. We can't be putting down men and calling men are less than. I'm getting tired of people doing that on Facebook, calling, saying that men are no good or whatever. I don't like that. Men are good people. They need some help, right? My wife helps me to be a better man because, let's face it, I don't know how to shop. We went to Walmart yesterday. Actually, every Walmart in Anchorage saw our face. I got a thank you letter from the president of Walmart thanking me for helping them to get into the black yesterday, and me personally. That's not true, but it was funny. But we need to quit doing those posts on social media that one minute we're putting in scripture, the next minute we're saying something that's incorrect, right, or that's inappropriate. We don't need, we don't need to just share everything, amen? And we, 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 we have this tendency that we, we act like the, we come in here and we act like the church, we raise our hands, but the legacy that we are leaving is a dual legacy, and we can't do that, can we? Either we're serving God, come on now, either we're serving God 
and the holiness and the righteousness that comes with that, or we're not. We have to walk in holiness and righteousness. We haven't been teaching that in church, have we? That you have to walk in holiness and righteousness. And holiness and righteousness applies to social media. Amen? It applies to everything that we do. It applies to our workplace. It applies to our home <coughs> and the TV shows that we're watching. If you can't watch a football game without cursing, then maybe we shouldn't watch the ball game, okay? Now listen, if anybody has a right to be upset about their team, it's me because I follow the Panthers, okay? I have a right to be upset about my team. They're terrible, right? And it's so disappointing. I, I look at my wife and says, I'm never watching football again. And see, that's where I just lied because I will, right? But we have to watch what we do. We have to worry about our, our legacy because our legacy is not about building up our kingdom. It's making sure that the people around us want to follow God because of what they see in us. Amen? Come on, what they see in us. I want you to follow God, not because you see me walking around with a microphone, but because you see a man that is humble before God. You see a man that loves God with all his heart. You see a man who has been mistreated by the world and dumped on and made fun of. But he said, none of that matters because I want to follow God with all my heart. Amen? That's what I want you to see. Amen? But it's not about me. It's also about you. What are people seeing in you? Are they seeing you as a man or a woman who walks after God? Now, it doesn't mean that you're not going to make mistakes, right? We're all going to make mistakes. Some of you pull for the saints. Or I meant to say Seahawks. <laughs> Either way, it doesn't matter. Some of you, <laughs> I was going to make fun of PJ pulling for Ohio State, but I won't do that today because he's not here. Some of you, we struggle, right? We, we make bad decisions, don't we? And sometimes we do things wrong. It's not about making the mistake. It's what you do to correct that mistake, right? It's getting up and acknowledging, hey, I messed up. I messed up this morning. I, I just botched something. I, I, I did something wrong, and I went up to that person and I said, look, I am sorry. I, I, I did not mean to do this, and I want you to forgive me. And it was a beautiful moment because it, it was just, sometimes you just have to say you're sorry, right? We, just, we don't want to cause an offense with anybody, amen? But I get my mind on the, the thing downstairs and trying to make that work. And, and uh, I haven't even begun my sermon yet, just so that you guys know. <laughs> amen, praise God. I'm getting in line first, so I don't care. I'm just joking. But sometimes we have to make things right, amen? We want to set that good example. And sometimes we have to look at ourselves in the mirror and, because we have an image of ourselves that isn't always true, isn't it? We look through those rose-colored glasses. And if you ever really want to know what you're like, ask your five-year-old. I asked my kids when they were five-year-olds, I said, I said, hey, what do you think of dad? And my daughter looked at me in her loving, gracious, wonderful way. And when she was five years old, and she goes, you have coffee breath. <laughs> I was just, this is my daughter, right? I was looking for her to say, oh, dad, you're the best. Oh, dad, I love you. Father, thou art my father, and I wilt beeth liketh thee. <laughs> 
I know five-year-olds don't speak like that, but come on, bear with me, right? Oh, Father, when I marry a man, he will be like a deer. <laughs> and I was, I, I was, I set her up. I was like, I wanted her to say this. And her response, your breath stinks. <laughs> a five-year-old will tell you what, go to Peyton, right? Go, Peyton will tell you, if you don't know who Peyton is, I will introduce you, okay? She will tell you how she feels about you. Any young kid, that's why I love children's ministry, because they will tell you how they feel, amen? And sometimes it cuts to the heart, doesn't it, right? It just, I, I'll, I'll go to, you know, hug Mia sometimes, and Mia's like, nope, not today, pastor. <laughs> and I'm like, why? She goes, cuz. <laughs> <laughs> and that's okay because that's her right, right? We don't want to force anything. And the other day she'll come up and run and jump on me and hug me. And I'm like, man, I don't know which way is which for these kids sometimes, right? But that's the way, the legacy that we live, right? How people feel about us. And, and sometimes we don't share those things, how we feel about other people, because we don't want to hurt their feelings. But at times in the church, we need to be honest, right? We need to be honest. We need to set each other straight. Amen. We need to look at each other and say, hey, you're not living the right life. You're not doing what you're supposed to do. Do you think that maybe God puts us in that position so that we can save our brother and sister from hell? Some of you are going down a path and when you hear it from pastor that, you know, oh, pastor says it. But if a brother or sister comes to you and says, hey, you don't need to do that. That means something, doesn't it? That means something, and we need that accountability in the church, amen? We need brothers and sisters who care so much for each other. We don't want to see you put yourself in a position to experience pain, amen? We want to see you living a life, amen? We want to see you... Listen, sometimes we suffer because of our own devices, don't we? Pastor, pastor, I'm so upset. I got a speeding ticket. The devil's against me. The devil's against me. He's attacking me. I got a speeding ticket. Were you speeding? Yes. <laughs> it was in a school zone, but I was in a hurry. And I prayed about it while I was doing it, and God said it was okay. <laughs> I don't think that was God. <laughs> Come on now, sometimes we put ourselves in that position, don't we? And we justify it. Brothers and sisters, God is holy. God is righteous. God is amazing, right? And he wants us to live a holy life, and we need to hold ourselves accountable, amen? We need to live righteously and holy before God. Now, Paul, Paul in his last days, Paul the apostle, he wrote over half the New Testament. And he was, he was an older man at this point, and he was sitting in jail, and he knew he was about to be executed. We know that 2 Timothy is the last thing that he probably wrote. Now think about this moment. Paul established churches all up and down through Greece, through Turkey, what is now Turkey, and, he, and, and just all over. He established all his churches. He's the greatest missionary ever known in Christianity, and Paul in his last thought was not focused on what he built. It was instead focused on one person, the man that he called, the man that he knew was called of God, the man that he raised up. He was focused. That was his legacy. 
He was concerned about this young. He wasn't caring about the churches. Now listen, don't misunderstand me. He loved those churches. He was willing to die for those churches. But he knew that he needed to focus on this young man. Brothers and sisters, that's what Paul understood. We need to quit worrying about buildings. We need to quit worrying about chairs. We need to quit worrying about paint on the house, on the, on the walls. We need to focus on raising up men and women of God to carry on the tradition. But we no longer can do it. Amen? That's why we have children's church. That's why we have youth ministry. That's why we have young adult ministry. Because the church needs leaders to carry on. Amen? And the only way they're going to be leaders is if they're taught. That's the only way. Amen? Paul was focused on Timothy. 2 Timothy 4, verses 6-8, through he says, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering. And the time of my departure is at hand. Think about that for a moment. He knew he was about to die. He was going to die a martyr's death. And I'm going to explain what that means in a moment. He says, I have finished the race. Wait a minute, let me go back. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Praise God. Isn't that beautiful when elder says that? When you look at someone who is an elder in their twilight years, and they know that their time is about up, and they look at you and they say, I have kept the faith. What a testimony that is, amen? What a testimony that is. To our elders in this room, that you have kept the faith, I salute you for saying that. It is hard to be a Christian, amen? But you have kept the faith, I salute you. I honor you. What an example you are. Praise God. I appreciate you. That's why we would go downstairs. We want our elders to eat first because we want you to know how much we love you. Amen. We honor you. We thank you for setting that example because when you, we, when I know that you have kept the faith in your life, it means something to me. It means that maybe, maybe I can do it too. It means maybe, maybe I can do it too. But he says this. He says, finally, this is how we know Paul is a Pentecostal preacher because he has like a couple more chapters to go. And he says, finally, he says, finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness. Praise God. You know, we're going to get a crown one day, right? Not just one crown, but many crowns depending on your faithfulness. Paul specifically says the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge will give to me on that day. And not to me only, but also to those who loved his appearing. See, Paul would not die a death on the cross like Jesus did because that was not reserved for Roman citizens. And Paul was a Roman citizen, but the way he was going to die, and I know we have young children in here, so I'm going to be careful how I say this. He was going to uh, die by decapitation. If you don't know what that word means, I'm trying to use a big word because of the kids. It, it, I'll explain it to you later. But it was not a... It was not a death. It was an easy death. It was a painful death. It was not a quick death. It was a painful death. And he knew that this was about to happen. But in that greatest moment, he knew he was about ready to lay down his body. He was about ready to lay down his life for Jesus. And in that moment, he was alone. In that moment, there wasn't really anybody around him. There was, there was Luke and maybe one other person, but, but all, everybody else, and it talks about this later in Timothy, everybody else had turned against him. Everybody else had forsaken him. And he says, the one thing I'm focused on is I know that I want to focus on my legacy, which is Timothy. 
See, Timothy was a young man that was called of God. Timothy was an up-and-coming preacher of the gospel. Timothy was a young man that has shown leadership, and Paul had taken him under his wing. He says, I'm going to teach you how to be a minister. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, more importantly, I'm going to teach you how to serve God. Amen? I'm going to teach you what it means to be with God. See, Paul knew that Timothy had a godly heritage. He says this in verses 3 and 5 of chapter 1. He goes, I thank God, whom I serve with a pure conscience, as my forefathers did, as without ceasing, I remember you in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see you. I want to stop here for a second. Brothers and sisters, do you know why that's why our young people fall away? Because we're not lifting them up in prayer enough. I'm going to say that again because I want to make sure that I hit home, okay? If we're not lifting our kids up in prayer every day, then I assure you the devil will take them. They're getting all these messages every day in school and their friends and social media. We need to pray for them. Amen? We need to pray for them. We need to seek God for them. And a lot of times we get so focused on ourselves, and Paul could have certainly been focused on himself right then because he knew he was about to die. But it says, I, I'm worried about something more eternal. I'm not worried about right now, amen? And that needs to be our attitude. We need to quit worrying about the right now. We need to focus on the eternal because I don't know about you. I don't want to be alone in heaven. I want my son with me. I want my daughter with me. I want your sons and daughters with me. I want you with me, Amen. Some of our young people don't go to church anymore, but they should never think for a moment that I've forgotten them. I pray for them. I pray for them. I lift them up, and you should join me in doing that. He says, I greatly desire to see, see you being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy. Praise God. When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded in you also. See, you notice that Paul doesn't mention Timothy's father. Meaning, probably, that there was not a father in the picture. Amen? Brothers and sisters, there are people that need spiritual fathers and spiritual mothers. Come on now. They need spiritual fathers and spiritual mothers because they haven't had that upbringing. They haven't heard the importance where the father says, hey, it's time to get up and go to church, amen? Did you know when a father tells the family to go to church, they come 85% of the time afterwards? Did you know that? Dads, come on, it's up to us. It's up to us to set the standard. I promise you, whether the Seahawks win or lose, it's not going to affect your children's spirituality more than them being here, amen? Our kids need to be in church, amen? I don't care if they fight you. I don't care if they, guess what kids do? They didn't, remember when they were five years old, they didn't want to take a bath, right? You ever been around a kid that doesn't want to take a bath? When they hit 13 years old, that's pretty rough stuff, isn't it? I asked my son one time, did you take a bath? He was 13 at the time, and he'll love this story. I said, son, did you take a bath? And he said, well, yes, father, I did. And I thought, there's no way. And I, I, was, like, I was like, you know, Mary with Jesus, or Martha with Jesus, you stinketh. The story of Lazarus, you'll have to read it. 
And I looked at him and I said, did you use soap? Ah. Soap, I just use water. <laughs> Get in the shower. <laughs> just go in there. You know, because, you know, we have to train our kids, right? We have to instruct them, right? They don't know how to cook food by themselves. They don't know how to do things by themselves. We instruct them the same way we instruct them to come to church, amen? As spiritual fathers and spiritual uh, uh, Mothers, sorry, we instruct them on what to do. Amen. See, I was blessed because I had a godly mom and dad. They were great mom and dad. Well, I shouldn't say they were. They are a great mom and dad. They're a great mom and dad. I don't tell them all the time because they get cocky about it, right? <laughs> but I also have a spiritual father that I go to. There's a pastor in Eagle River that took me in when no one else would take me in. When everyone else rejected me and didn't want me, he says, I'll take him. I'll take him. Now, he was a first sergeant in the Army, so he was not easy to get along with. His words were never, please, it's you do it. <laughs> but he taught me. And he came up to me last night or Thursday night at our dinner, and he hugged me, and he kissed me on the cheek, and he told me how proud of me he was. See, that meant more to me than I can ever tell you, amen? When, when my spiritual father comes to me, and, and he's older now, when he comes to me, he says, I want you to preach for me on Sunday. And I said, I can't. i got to get back to my church. He goes, that's why I'm proud of you. Because you're more worried about your church than preaching opportunities. He says, that's why I'm proud of you. He looked at me, and I'm going to explain this more in a minute. He says, preach the word, Keith. Preach the word. Preach the word. Preach the word. And he's always telling me every time he looks at me, he goes, do you love you people? I say, yes. He goes, good. Love them more. Amen. He's just that way. And he's teaching me what it means to see. I have my mom and dad and they pour into me, but we need other people. Amen. We need other people to pour into our people and love on them and say, preach the word, preach the word, preach the word. Amen. That's what we need. We need to leave a legacy of building the church. Amen. I want to remind you, our legacy cannot be this carpet. If I leave here as pastor, and my only legacy that I can tell you is that I put carpet in the sanctuary, then I have failed you as a pastor. Amen? If I, my only legacy is that I put TVs up on the wall and I say, I, I mean us. If that's my only legacy, then I have failed you as a pastor. No, my legacy should be that we've raised up ministers of the gospel, both men and women. They've started churches. They're pastoring. Amen. That should be the legacy of this church. Amen. We raised up families where the husband and wife was going through a divorce and now they're reconciled and they have beautiful children who are serving God. That should be our legacy. Amen. Our legacy should be families being restored healed in the name of jesus the drug addict set free the homosexual set free the people who are not serving god are serving god healings coming to the family that should be our legacy amen our legacy should be when people from the community look at our church. They say, I may not go there, but that church loved on me. They cared about me. They prayed for me. They never sought to proselytize me. They only cared about one thing, and that was my relationship with Jesus. That is our legacy, amen? Our legacy should not be about whether we have a second service. Our legacy should not be whether or not that I go on TV. By the way, Apparently, I look fat on TV. I told my daughter that 
I think that camera adds 10 pounds. And she wouldn't know how many cameras were on me. <laughs> she didn't say that, but it was funny. She thought it, though. I could guarantee you that. Our legacy shouldn't be how many people we have coming to our church, how many times we fill the parking lot. If that's what I got to brag about, that I have let you down. Amen? Our legacy should be men and women filled with the Holy Ghost, saved, sanctified, serving and walking in the Spirit. Amen? Our legacy should be going to Fred Myers. Sorry, Safeway. You'll get lost in Safeway, but you can go there. <laughs> I may need directions later. I'm going there. I don't know where I'm at. Going to Safeway, going to Fred Myers and walking around and people coming up to and say, I don't know who you are, but I see God on you. Will you pray for me? Amen. That should be our legacy. Amen. Our legacy should be people calling us and saying, will you pray for me? I know you go to that church and I know they serve God and you must serve God too. That should be our legacy. Our legacy should be going out in the community and helping the homeless and clothing the homeless. Our legacy should be inviting the homosexual, inviting the transvestite, inviting people to church and letting them know that they are part of the family of God. Amen? See, we don't reject anybody, do we? But that doesn't mean we agree with the sin. We just love on them. Amen? Our legacy, our legacy should be to let people know that God loves them. See, there's a question we have to ask ourselves. Who are you mentoring and who are you being mentored by? I'm going to ask you that again. Who are you mentoring and who are you mentored by? And if you tell me that you're being mentored by some television preacher or somebody on a podcast, I'm going to tell you, go ahead and call them and ask them for advice and see if they respond to you. Come on now. Hey, I don't care if you listen to them, but let's be mentored by someone who could actually pour into you, okay? Let's be mentored by someone who actually cares about you and is not looking for your money, amen? I'm not looking for your money. I'm looking for God to bless you spiritually, amen? The money will take care of itself, amen? I'm not worried about that, praise God. I want to pour into you. I want somebody to pour into you. I want God to pour into you. And then you know what I want you to do? I want you to give it away, amen? I want you to find somebody and I want you to give it away, amen? Listen, don't you dare... Don't you dare take what I've given you and internalize it and go, praise God, I'm okay now. No, don't you dare do that. Don't you, you take what I give you from the word of God. You go find somebody and say, let me share with you what God has done. Read the word of God. Let me share with you what God has done. Amen. And don't say my pastor said this. No, it's got to come from your heart. Amen. It's got to come from you reading the word of God. What has God done in your life? Amen. What has God done in your life? We need to quit having memorials in the sense of our church is great because we have a great worship team. Our church is great because we have a keyboard or an awesome pastor. No, our church is great because we love people. Amen? Our church is great because we care about people and we want to see them grow in the Lord. Amen? That's why our church is great. 
Our church is not great because we have these comfortable seats or we have, a, we have children's church, we have this or that. Our church is great because we love Jesus, amen? We love Jesus. See, Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 11, 1. He says, imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. See, that's what a mentor does. He says, watch me. Watch me. Or she says, watch me. Watch what I'm doing. Now, what that means is, as a mentor, you have to become vulnerable. Did you know that? You have to become vulnerable. That means that sometimes I have to let you see my mistakes. Because if you think I'm perfect, then you'll never serve God because you know that you can't be perfect. And I can assure you, you can ask my wife and my daughter, I am not perfect. I know you look at me and you go, Pastor, you look perfect. <laughs> I didn't get a lot of amens there, but I'm going to feel in my heart that you were with me. Pastor, you're so talented and wonderful. <laughs> Silence. <laughs> thank you, thank you. <laughs> but as a mentor, I need to show you my mistakes. Sometimes I let my anger get the best of me. Sometimes I get frustrated. Sometimes I get impatient. Anybody with me? Anybody been through the line at McDonald's? If you know that, then you've had those experiences. Amen? I was riding in a car with somebody Friday, and I'm not going to tell who they are, but Will was talking to people. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, brother, I just sold you out. Bill, Will was talking to people in, the, in Anchorage traffic, and he was letting them know that they needed to move. <laughs> and we were laughing about it because, I, you know, Will and I, we were laughing because he was in Anchorage and I was in Anchorage, and we just spent some time together, and we were laughing about it, having a good old time. But we, were, we could be real with each other, amen? But being a mentor means that I need to be real. Will's been around me. He knows I mess up. He's seen it. He looked at me like, you're a pastor? <laughs> right? I'm not perfect, amen? There's going to be times that I do the wrong thing. I pull for the Panthers. You know that I have a demented sense of weirdness about me. I know, football reference, you guys get tired of that. I, I mess up. But we're not going to be perfect till we get to heaven, will we? And what people need to see is not that you're perfect, but how do you overcome that? How do you come back? How do you say, you know what? I messed up here. Let's make this right. How do you, how do you make things right? You know, sometimes we act like that nothing we do is wrong. Amen? We act like we don't stink or anything. Brothers and sisters, we do things to offend. I hate it when, some, when you offend somebody and, and, and you look, or they look at you, or somebody offends you and they look at you and they say, I'm sorry that you're, you know, you uh, was hurt by that, or I'm sorry that it's your fault. Listen, we need to just take ownership of offense sometimes and say, hey, look, I messed up. If I hurt you, I messed up. Amen? Why do we have a problem saying that? Anybody? I mean, we, we were so afraid that we're going to look weak in people's eyes. Can I remind you that Jesus was weak? He looked weak in people. Now, 
don't hold on there. Let me say, let me back up. I don't mean to say that he was weak in the sense of he wasn't all powerful, but he he portrayed himself as weak to show mercy and to show grace. Amen. I don't I don't mean to imply that he was weak as in he couldn't handle anything, but he showed weakness so that he can be weak and be strong. Did I clarify myself? Because I felt like that came out wrong. See, I make mistakes, right? It came out wrong, but I want you to understand, even Paul says, I, I, I'm weak. And Jesus said, in your weakness, I am made strong, right? And that's, we got to stop worrying about being weak. we got to stop worrying about trying to be perfect. I, I'm, I'm learning how to live this life. I remember people looking at me and says, well, you're a pastor. You should know. I'm going to tell you, we don't know sometimes. There's things that we deal with as pastors that there's no training for. Like when the bowler goes out, I'm not mechanical. I don't know what to do. Or other things happen in the church. This is all new, right? And we rely on God and we do it together. Isn't that awesome when we could do things together? We, you know, and there's things that we face here in this church. And I come to, to my elders and I say, hey, what would you do? How would you handle that? That's the way church should be run. That's the way we should do things in the house of God. Amen. See, Paul tells Timothy five things, and i got to hurry because the food's almost done. They haven't told me. I just sense in my spirit. I didn't say it was the Holy Spirit. Praise God. What I may do if I go a long time, I'll just have them bring me a plate up here, and that way I can eat and just continue to preach. Is that okay? Amen. I saw some turkey downstairs and some roast, and we need to partake of that. Paul gave Timothy five things, five things that I'm going to talk about. The first is he told him to stir up the gifts. Verse 6 of chapter 1 in 2 Timothy says, Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. All right, this is going to take a little bit. Some of you all have been sitting in stale water for too long. Come on. You've been sitting in some stale water. It's time to stir that thing up a little bit. Amen? It's time to stir that thing up. Amen? Listen. The responsibility was not on God to come stir things up for Timothy. Too many times we're like, oh God, if you will just throw me into a coma to where I don't know what's going on, I'll worship you. <laughs> That's not how God works. Amen? God says, for you to stir up the gifts. See, God's not going to say, come worship me, and all of a sudden you're already doing this. That's me doing that, by the way. <laughs> He's not going to do that, right? When God says, worship me, I voluntarily raise my hands in the sanctuary. Amen? I voluntarily raise my hands. i got to stir up that gift. Amen? I don't... I don't like the term, make it till you fake it, or wait, fake it till you make it, thank you. See, I messed up. I don't mean that, but sometimes we got to put into action. Sometimes we need to put things as if God was going to do it, amen? See, God is worthy of our praise no matter what, amen? So I shouldn't have to tell you to praise God. We should just praise God anyway, amen? 
We should praise God anyway, amen? We should praise God anyway, amen? We should just look at God and say, you're worthy of all my praise. You're worthy of all glory. You're worthy of all honor. I don't have to be encouraged to do that. I don't have to say, I don't have to have the pastor get up and, now church, now church, I need you to worship. No! Come on, everybody. No, I'm raising my hands anyway, amen? I'm worshiping God because his word. I want to serve God. Then stir up the gifts, amen? Stir up. Each of you have been called to something. Each of you have been called to something. Don't wait for me to come tell you to do it. I'm telling you, do it. Be like Nike. Do it, amen? Do it. Do what God has called you to do, Amen? See, my job as the pastor is to guide you. Now, if you were going to come tell me, says, Pastor, I'm going to come preach in your church on Sunday, my answer would be, we're not ready for that yet. I'll get you there, but we're not ready for that yet. Or maybe you came to me and say, as one person did, and I'm so grateful, I feel a calling to work with toddlers. You know what my response was? Praise God. <laughs> Go ahead. You know, you know, you have to have a calling to work with toddlers because apparently you can't beat them. Amen. That was a joke, by the way. But when somebody told me they felt called to work with toddlers, I was like, praise God. Amen. Praise God that somebody has that call. Amen. I love that. And when you come to me and you say you have a calling in your life, my job is to develop that calling. And there's some of you I'm meeting with you to talk about that calling. Now, by the way, when I meet with you, understand there may be times I need to correct you. Because some of you want to serve God, but you want to live in the world too. You want to you do the things that the world does because the world's fun for a moment. And my word is going to say you need to quit because you're not going to serve God and serve the world at the same time. As a matter of fact, I'm going to let you know, you try to serve God in my church and serve the world, you won't serve God in my church, amen? You won't do the things that God wants you to do, amen? It is time to serve God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your body, everything that you have. Serve God, amen? Serve God, amen? Stir up that gift that is in you. Praise God. Somebody came to me one time. They says, Pastor, I want to I be a preacher. And I said, go scrub the toilets. That's what you'll be doing the most. Praise God. Right? I'm just being real. I'm being real. Go do the thing that you hate to do. And that's what being a pastor is all about. I'm not talking about preaching the word, but there's things that we have to do that are not fun. Amen? Because that's what serving God is. It's not about what you like to do. It's what God wants you to do at that moment. Amen? Then he tells him, Timothy, this in verse 8, to not be ashamed. We got too many young people that are ashamed of the gospel. We got too many adults and elders that are ashamed of the gospel. He says, therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me as prisoner. In other words, even though I'm in jail, don't be embarrassed about me. Man, sometimes I'll go somewhere to like Fred Myers, and I'll go, hey! You know what the person does? Yeah. It happens sometimes. You know what I do? I go, maybe they didn't see me. <laughs> so I start going, hey! And I'll start acting kind of weird. I'll go to them, hey! 
I'll start doing this. <laughs> we have missed you. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> Fred Myers, don't avoid me. You'll regret it. Because, <laughs> listen, that's just the way I am. Amen. Don't be ashamed of me. Amen. Don't be ashamed of the Lord. And he says, he says, but share with me in the sufferings of the gospel according to the power of God. Brothers and sisters, let me tell those that I'm mentoring, those who are listening to me, life will not always be fun. Life will not always be joyful. Life is going to be hard sometimes. We will suffer, amen? Share in the sufferings with me. When I suffer, you should suffer. When you suffer, I should suffer. When you're happy, I should be happy. When I'm happy, you should be happy. That's the way it works, right? Do you, do you guys know we're members of the same body? What is the most important body, part of the body? Can anybody tell me? Is it the head? Heart? I disagree. The most important part of the body is the big toe. Right? Because if you hit the big toe, you, you know it's there. Amen? You, if you ever walk through a room and hit your big toe... Right? You, you feel it for a long time. Therefore, the big toe is the most important part of your body. Amen? I mean, I say these things in jest, but there is not a part of our body that is not important. Amen? Don't you dare disassociate yourself from this church. You are important. No matter who you are, you are important to this church. Every one of you. People say, well, I don't, I don't feel important. Then you've got to engage. You can't just hide. Amen? You can't just sulk away and you got to actually shake people's hands and, you know, be a part of us. Amen? You know, it's like a teenager going to their bedroom all the time and spending the whole time in there and wondering why she doesn't feel part of the family because you're always in your room. Be a part of the family. Amen? We're, we're not crazy. <laughs> Much? <laughs> Listen, if you don't have a crazy uncle in your family, then I will be that crazy uncle, okay? <laughs> we can Listen, you can joke in the house of God, okay? You can have fun in the house of God. There's pain and there's sorrow, but there's also joy in the house of the Lord. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. I got 6 minutes and I'm not even halfway done. Richard, go down and tell them we'll be another hour. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm going to wrap this thing up. I just felt the sharp needles coming at me when I said that. For those of you who listen to me, I want you to be loyal to the faith. Paul said in verse 13, he goes, Hold fast the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me and faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. You know what that means? I'm going to just break it down to you. That means listen to me. That means listen to me. Now, here's the thing. Some people are hesitant against that because they think, well, what if you're wrong? What if you're trying to deceive us? You know who gets judged for that? I do. And I much rather fear God's judgment over my teaching than yours. Okay? So everything I say to you is said with a heavy heart because I got to make sure I'm saying what God wants me to say.
But listen to me. Listen to what God is saying this morning. And if I'm wrong, I'll go back and make it right. Like I was trying to say earlier about Christ understands our weakness. And I said the wrong thing. I had to make it right right then because I just came out wrong, right? We have to make things right. Listen to me. I'm not just getting up here and talking because I like to talk. Okay, well, part of that's true. I'm not getting up here and doing this because this is a job choice. I'm doing it because there's fire shut up in my bones. I have to do this. Amen? We're going down the road. We're almost there. I referenced this early. Pass on what you've learned. That's the biggest problem we have as believers is we don't pass it on, do we? We don't even, we don't even pass it on to our kids. Come on. We don't take our kids by the hands and say, we hold them and say, you need to serve God. We look at them and say, well, you can make your own choice. Kids are not going to want to serve God on their own. That's not how they're wired. They don't even know what cereal they want. Man, come on. You ever been around a toddler? Is They say, I want that red plate, and you give them the red plate, and they throw a tantrum. That's not the one I wanted. And you say, this child's possessed by a demon. Right? I mean, children don't know what they want. Parents, that's up to us to establish that spirituality. Amen? But more than that, there's people in your family. There's people in your job. Pass on what you've learned. Share with somebody. Don't hold it on on your own. If whatever you pour out, I can assure you when you come back to church or when you read the Bible, God's going to pour it back into you. And it's going to be fresh. It's going to be wonderful. It's going to be full of joy. Amen? Lastly, lastly, when we end here, we're going to go downstairs. We're just going to enjoy some food. Our elders are going to go first. Please don't anybody eat until then. Please only get a little bit so that we can make sure we have enough. And we'll announce when seconds are done. And please don't knock each other over when the seconds are announced. But the last thing, preach the word. Preach the word. Chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, he says, now this, this is his most serious thing that he says to them. He says, I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead of his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort, and all long-suffering and teaching. Last Sunday night, I was very ill. And I asked Will to step in for a prayer meeting. And there, I, I, this is what I love about Will. I'm going to brag on Will for a second. Will never says no in an opportunity because he's always ready. He's always ready to do something. If I say, Will, can you preach me? Yep, I can do it. Will, can you do this for me? Yep, I can do that because he's always ready. And, that's, and, and people get upset sometimes. I'm never going to do what God has called me to do because you're not ready. Oh, I'm going to say that again, all right? I don't, I don't get to do anything, and I just sit here, and I, I, I don't, I'm frustrated. I'm going to leave this church because I'm not doing anything. Because you're not ready. You're not ready. How do you get ready? The first four things that I talked about. Preach the word. Dads, preach the word to your family. 
Make sure your daughters and your sons and your children understand the word of God. Make them come to church. Amen? Moms, love your husbands. Now see, I know when I say that, I'm not saying that lightly because my wife has to love me. And I'm difficult. I followed her all over Walmart complaining like a toddler. And finally she looked at me and she goes, will you just be quiet so I can do what I want to do? And I looked at her and I said, no. Not really, because I was too scared at that moment. But in my mind, I did. So when I say, wives, love your husbands, I mean it. Your husbands aren't perfect, but guess what? They're still with you and they're providing. They're good people. We need to, we need to value our men. I'm tired of men being put down. I'm, I'm gonna just going to say this. Women, listen to me. Stop putting your men down. And you'll find the more you encourage them, the better men they become. The better men they become. See, my wife, my wife encourages me. There's times that she corrects me, but I know when she corrects me, it's always in love. I do. Because the way she tells me. But most of the time, she'll look at me and she says, you did such a good job today, honey. I'm so proud of you. Look at what you did. You're doing such an amazing job. And I look at her and I say, but it's just the dishes. And she says, but you did the dishes better than anybody. I'm so proud of you. You did them so good. Yes, I have to go back and redo the dishes after you did it, but I'm so proud of you. I washed the clothes the other day. She goes, oh, I'm so proud of you. We don't put the reds and the whites together and you're going to have to buy me all new clothes, but I'm so proud of you. And then you know what I do in response? I tell my wife how much I love her. And I look at her every day. I says, man, you're so gorgeous. You're amazing. You guys understand that when you do that to each other, that's preaching the word. When you're nice to people, you're preaching the word. Why are we so negative? Preach the word. We love people, amen? Show them that you love them. Show them that you care about them. Show them that they mean something, amen? You are welcome in the house of God today. You are a part of our service. We love you. And we do it with long-suffering and patience and kindness with our elders who struggle in getting along and walking and maybe aren't as fast as we want them to be. We, we come up beside them and we grab their arm and we just gently walk with them and tell them we love them. To, to our young children who are toddlers who don't know how to behave yet, we simply put our arms around them and we love them and tell them how special they are. To our young teenagers who may be confused about who they are because they're hearing about it all the time, we put our arms around them and we look at them and say, you are a child of God and I am praying for you every day. To our young moms who are struggling to be a young mom because they're tired and haven't gotten sleep in a week and their children are teething and they're crying, we go up to them and say, hey, can I hold your baby for a moment? And then give it back when it starts fussing. To our, to our young dads who are struggling to put dinner on the table, who are trying to be everything to help their families, we look at them and say, you're a good dad. Keep it up. Amen. You're in church today. I'm proud of you. To our young families, we look at them and we say, I'm proud of you for doing what you're supposed to do. 
We need to quit judging each other and find somebody to pour into. Isn't that, I'm going to ask a question here, isn't that the culture? Are we supposed to do that? See, that's Christianity. Amen? And guess what? We're, we're not aligned in the sense it doesn't matter what color we are. We should do it for everybody. We should do it for everybody. It doesn't matter. The only people we don't like are the polka dot people, remember? We love everybody, right? We love them. Here's where I close, and you're going, thank God. I'm going to do the Church of God thing and say, finally, and there'll be 20 more minutes. Oh, I'm late. I want you to know, as you stand with me, I want you to know how much, how much I love you. How much I care about you. How much I value every person in this church. How much you mean to me. But I can't do it alone. I need people other than me mentoring our young men and women. I need other people. And then I need the people who are being mentored to mentor someone else. Are we ready to, ready to raise up men and women of God? Are we ready to raise up men and women of God? See this family right here, I love this family right here. I know they hate it when I embarrass them, but I do, I love this family. But I know Janice can't do it, but I know Janice does a wonderful job as grandmother. I'm, I, I applaud you. I honor you for the way you've taken your family. In. But can we have some women who would just simply say, we're going to help Janice and be a, an auntie or a love to these young girls? Amen. Can we do that? This is what I'm talking about. Michelle's kids, they need, a, they need aunties and uncles. We need people who are, and I'm just using these guys as examples. We need people who love our families. I know, I'm supposed to shut up, but I'm trying. If you guys all eat all the fry bread and getting back at me, I, I'll preach longer next week. I love you. I love you so much. And guys, this church is going to grow, not because we're soliciting numbers, but because we love people. God's going to grow in your heart. That's what I care about. God's going to grow in your heart. Everybody just close their eyes and bow their heads for a moment. I'm going to ask you a question that only you and I are going to know about. Simply by raising your hand, is there anybody in this room that just needs prayer? Just simply raise your hand. You need prayer. Okay, I see you. I see hands across the sanctuary. I see hands. Okay. If you need prayer, I'm praying for you right now. As will comes up, we're going to close. Father, in your name, God, I lift up. I lift up the names of those people, God, that raised their hand. They need you, God. I don't know what that need is, God, but they need you. They need you. I pray right now, God, that you take that need and you meet it. Father, I also pray over the food downstairs, God. I thank you for those who contributed and those who couldn't. God, they're still welcome, God. They're welcome. 
I pray right now, God, that you bless this church. Help our legacy, God, not become how big we are, but whose life that we touched. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. We'll close this out in prayer. After our prayer, go ahead and go downstairs, but we're going to ask that nobody starts serving themselves until we're ready because we want our elders to go first. That's going to include elders. We will fix your plate for you. Teenagers, you're going to help me, right? Amen. You're going to help me fix their plates. Elders, we want to love on you, okay? That means you're going to fix me a plate too, youngins. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Praise God. We're going to go downstairs. Please, please come be a part of our fellowship. we got some prizes to give away. We're giving away Will's car. So just come down and enjoy that. Thank you for listening to our service. Be sure to catch the video edition of this on either YouTube or Facebook Live. Again, if you need prayer, contact us at 907-789-3605. May God richly bless you in all things.